From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bartender, Gary Johnston. And let me welcome you back to the Cannabis Podcast. This is episode 113. If this happens to be your first time here, an especially warm welcome for you. If you like the plant as much as I do and are interested in it, you've come to the right place. Let me remind you, this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. Well, since this episode drops on Christmas Day, there's a bit of a ho-ho-ho theme to it. Well, that's about as far as the ho-ho-ho will go. (laughs) First of all, the whole dilemma, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, what are we supposed to say? Well... I'm not going to worry about that. This is a program about cannabis. You can figure that out by yourself. Whatever you celebrate at this time of the year, I hope you get to spend some time with family and friends over the holidays. And for those lucky enough to be able to, I hope you get a chance to share a toke or two. I plan to do just that. In this episode, we have a review of 2022 in cannabis from my buddy David Wiley at the Okanagan Z. A former star owner who closed the store mostly because he feels the romance is gone from the cannabis industry with legalization. There's a little bit of controversy with Health Canada reviewing the grow licenses for some medical marijuana users and challenging the limits of their per-day grams that they have been licensed for. Some California nuns are putting their faith in cannabis and making some money from it. And on Cultivar Corner, we have a taste of some premium concentrate, a live rosin, animal style from Brindle Farms, part of the Old Growth Collective. Fired up the dab rig for that, and it was very tasty. All of that and more on episode 113 of the Cannabis Podcast. And let me, first of all, actually offer a Merry Christmas greeting back to Rob. Rob, who's a subscriber and also bought me some doobies. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate your support each and every year. I hope you have a great season as well. Now let's get to our first story. And I think that's an appropriate one to start back at OkanaganZ.com. My friend David Wiley is the author of this one, where we look at 2022 in the weeds, a high-level look at the year in cannabis. The first cannabis farm gate in B.C. opened in Williams Lake at Sugar Lake Cannabis under a special agreement between B.C. and the Williams Lake First Nation. Soon you'll have a variety of cannabis growers you can visit throughout B.C. You'll be able to check out their digs and leave with some of their weed. The application process in B.C. is now open to all cultivators who are interested in hosting visitors. Some producers are ready to jump in with both feet, yet there is some hesitation from those who aren't sure whether the cost will be worth the payoff. Cannabis tourism has lots of room to grow in the mainstream. BC is currently exploring the possibility of allowing cannabis consumption spaces. A growing number of indigenous communities are joining the regulated market. Government-to-government deals are helping First Nation communities create their own custom entity into the legal market. So far, BC has signed more than half a dozen agreements under the Provincial Section 119 provision. At the end of the year, the province announced that up to $7.5 million will be available for the next few years through a joint program from the federal government and the province of B.C. to help Indigenous cannabis businesses get into the legal space. The $60 an ounce shops on First Nations land will still be around, but more and more growers and Indigenous entrepreneurs will access the regulated market using the tools, mentorship, grant money and other incentives being made available. There are now 454 licensed cannabis stores throughout B.C., plus 35 provincial B.C. cannabis stores, brick-and-mortar locations. Not everyone is surviving. Few are thriving. 
A spate of stores have been shutting down, selling, or simply not opening up despite having a license. Major change are suffering. Cited reasons include too many stores, too much tax, over-regulation. This trend is expected to continue with the current recession not showing signs of letting up, high interest rates putting pressure on those who borrowed money to open their business, and major chains undercutting mom-and-pop pot shops. Newswire services were littered in 2022 with announcements and updates on mergers and acquisitions. Cash flow became increasingly problematic throughout the year for many companies, especially those carrying a heavy debt load. Corporate giants with cash on hand and significant market cap gobbled up struggling and smaller brands at an increasingly frantic pace, creating an industrial cannabis structure similar to more mature consumer package segments. In order to compete at a larger scale, smaller companies found their own ways to grow, including through co-ops and private partnerships. Meanwhile, many more micro-cultivators have come into the market and are trying to find their own foothold, no matter how small and niche. These ankle-biters will play an increasingly active and organized role over the next few years. Approaching the five-year anniversary of Canadian cannabis legalization, rules remain a work in progress. Federally, a panel of experts now reviewing the Cannabis Act will hear from all kinds of people and stakeholders throughout 2023. Some of the feedback, not so nice. Their report isn't due until 2024, so don't expect any changes for a while. Many of the laws and policies that affect us at the consumer level are in the hands of the provinces, and they could benefit from review. Despite their flaws... Canadian laws are a framework that other countries, such as Germany, are looking at as they draft their own recreational and or medical cannabis legislation. The biggest impact to Canada would come from federal legalization in the U.S., which struggles with a patchwork of state-by-state-by-state laws. The majority of Americans support legalization. Now, there's a great summary of 2022. Thanks for that, David. David Waddy from the OkanaganZ.com, the author of that. How was 2022 for you in cannabis? For me, there was a bit of an up and down ride. There were some, there were some positives. There, there were some great achievements over the course of the year. And glad to see that we are finally reviewing the legalization because changes are needed there. We're finding now that companies are finding ways around that 10 milligram limit in the edible platform. <laughs> I just find it amazing that they come up with just these little loopholes and come up with a slightly different product, although it's still, in essence, a gummy at its heart. But now, for some reason, we're able to put in up to 100 milligrams per package. The limit is, of course, 10 for most of that. So that's certainly a significant change that's happened, and that's what I expect we're going to see more of in 2023, more the twisting of the rules to just kind of slide by and see what we can do with it. In other words, the legalization landscape for cannabis in Canada is always changing. It doesn't matter how high the THC is. The entourage effect is always waiting for you here. This is the Cannabis Podcast. There is a fellow in Ontario who thinks that the romance is gone from the cannabis culture in Canada. This is a story from cbc.ca. Crosstown Traffic, one of the oldest stores selling smoking paraphernalia in Ottawa, will be closing its doors for good in the spring. Mike Foster opened the head shop in Westboro in 1992 before moving to its location in the Glebe in 1997. The iconic cannabis counterculture store became something of an institution in the city. Foster was involved in efforts to legalize cannabis because he said he didn't want to see people getting arrested for using the drug. But its legalization also led to the growth of larger retail operations catering to cannabis aficionados. 
The proliferation of cannabis shops certainly affected our sales on smoking accessories, he said. Once legalization happened, our sales plummeted on that. There's so many stores out there now, like every few blocks there's a cannabis shop and you can buy your papers or pipes there. So that aspect of our business suffered. Despite the challenges, Foster doesn't have any regrets about supporting legalization efforts. I was still happy to see progress being made in that regard. David Soberman, a professor of marketing at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto, said stores like Crosstown Traffic have lost the forbidden fruit appeal they had when cannabis was prohibited. Head shops had a rebellious nature that drew people in, Soberman said, working in the margins between legal and illegal. Legalization kind of takes a bit of romance out of the whole cannabis counterculture rebellion, Foster agreed. I visit in Amsterdam sometimes, and there's just another commodity, you know, and that's, that's what it will become here, just like socks or cheese or something else you can buy. Like the culture that goes along with it, it kind of dissipates a little. Silverman said there aren't many direct parallels he could draw to the effect cannabis legalization has had on head shops, but there could be similarities to how the growth of one-stop-shop grocery stores affected bakers and butchers. If you go back 50 years, there were supermarkets, but there were a lot of more independent butchers, bakers, he said. Some still survive, but they need a unique offering in order to survive. He doesn't necessarily think legalization will be the death of head shops because there is still a counterculture dimension to them. Foster said along with the legalization of cannabis hurting business, the change in shopping habits generally shifting to online made keeping the doors open untenable. The sales aren't there anymore, he said. The vinyl is back and that's fine and we do very well with vinyl, but it's not enough to carry the entire store. He said he's going to spend his time volunteering at an animal sanctuary. We had a great run and I'm not bitter, you know. We're happy, he said. It's just time. So there you go, a peripheral store to the cannabis industry, a head shop, not able to stay open because they're just not getting the same business as they used to. I suppose that's kind of inedible, isn't it? THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. And today on Cultivar Corner, we're venturing down a path that we haven't traveled a lot. We've done the occasional piece of concentrate using my grav straw, and I think I used to use my turp pen. Perhaps I've done a couple of those. But we're stepping it up a little bit on Cultivar Corner today because we got some premium concentrate. <laughs> I decided to treat myself for my birthday. So there is a new company uh, out that's uh, doing some incredible concentrates, making lots of noise. The company is called Brindle Farms from the Old Growth Collective. Now, everything they do is, is natural and solventless. They take their time. <laughs> They're producing some incredible concentrate. And they also have a pretty premium price. I think I paid about $80 for this one gram. And that's the most I've ever spent on concentrates and probably the most I ever will spend on concentrates. But I decided to give it a try, as I say, for a treat on my birthday and to see exactly what we're dealing with here. Now, the first thing that I noticed when I popped open the black glass jar, now I did find a reference to this black glass jar in another review of Brindle Farms. 
And let me just pull some of this. This is from a site called extracted.ca. And my original opinion of this little glass jar was, as a consumer, I can't really see what I'm buying in the bottom of that. And it felt to me like it, it could be better placed. However, when I saw this review, and let me read this from you. So this is from extracted.ca. Uh, the lunatics at Old Growth finally did it. They brought the wonderful black Myron jars to the legal market. Now, if you've never purchased a gray market product, you don't understand how well these preserve the product in them. Nothing really comes close. And so that's why I kind of changed my opinion on these Myron glass jars. Solid black. Can't see much of the product. In fact, I had to get my phone and put my flashlight on to be able to really see <laughs> down into the depths of the jar. So that's one small criticism, I suppose. Um, in terms of what we have here, now this, let me give you the chirps on this guy. So the animal style, which is what I'm talking about here, the top three chirps in 5.85% chirps, Bisabolo, uh, Caryophylline, and Gual. Gual. I always have trouble with that one. G-U-A-I-O-L. Gual. Those are the top three chirps. It's a very <clears throat> light color. Um, let me give you the story from the folks at Brindle Farms. Bred by Swamp Boys Genetics, animal style a cross between animal cookies and GMO, which is a cross between TK and skunk, with the latter being the male. Our chosen phenotype is GMO dominant, yielding a very potent terpene-rich flower that's very rich in resin. Unique garlic and savory flavor is the hallmark of this strain embodied by a spicy, pungent aftertaste that sticks to your tongue following exhale. The strain's flavor profile is a classic representation of the Chemdog line that led to GMO. The animal style was selected by Brindle Farms due to the notably high quality of resin it produces. Bulbous trichome heads with high THC content are easily extracted and yield high percentages of a very vibrant colored resin that does not diminish in appeal through the process. This batch of Brindle Farms Animal Style Live Rosin was prepared through isolating the first wash of 73 to 159 micron bubble hash and pressing it at 165 degrees for three minutes in a 37 micron filter. The hash is then cured and prepared for instantaneous sale. The live rosin of this caliber offers the cleanest, most powerful, potent, and pure experience of a given genetic profile, and the sour animal live rosin will leave you wanting to try more from Brindle Farms. When purchasing Brindle Farms Animal Style Live Rosin, you can expect to receive hashish of near neon yellow color embellished by gold hues with a gelatinous consistency maintaining a wet feel due to high terpene content. And that pretty accurately describes what I'm seeing inside of this little black Myron jar. And let's give you more details on what's in here. Total terpenes at 5.37. Now here again, I'm getting slightly different information when I checked out that other review back on extracted.ca, that's where we got the terps at Bisabolo, Caryophylline, and Gual. However, when I look at my Mendo, where I originally bought it, they're saying the total terps at 5.37%, and the terpene profile is Caryophylline, Humulene, Limonene, and Myrcene. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get some consistent, <laughs> consistent results in terms of what those terps are and how they're spread out? And the total THC on this guy is sitting at 80.86%. Now, I do have to point out, from a consumer's perspective, none of that information is on the box, except for the THC. That's the only thing that's there. Tells me my total THC on this guy is actually 808 Nothing else. 
on the jar, on the box. There's no reference to any of the terpenes or anything else. That's something that I think we need to improve and be more consistent on. And speaking of being more consistent on, let's get a taste of this. So I'm dipping my little tool down into that gelatinous beauty. Oh, oh that's probably too much. <laughs> that would knock me on my ass if I did that much. <laughs> so let's try that much. I don't know, but, a, but an eighth of an inch piece that I've got there. Now I'm following a technique that I was given by a friend of mine who said uh, in the early days of doing dabs, just uh, do a cold start. Uh, less complicated, don't have to worry so much about it. So that's what I'm doing on this guy. I've got some of that lovely Brindle Farms animal style concentrate in my... So I picked up a... Um, <laughs> can't think of the name right now. I picked up a banger to sit inside my bong and a nice little cap on that. I used to have a pearl in that cap, but I somehow lost the pearl, <laughs> which I guess happens a lot, doesn't it? So I think it's time we gave this a taste of the Brindle Farms Animal Style Live Rosin. And let me get the torch going and get a cold start happening on this. As soon as I see some smoke start to rise, we're going to dive in and get a taste of this Live Rosin. Oh, and there we go. She's starting to blow. Oh, nice smoke in there now. Let's shut the torch off, and away we go. More of a savory taste than perhaps I was expecting. Perhaps it's some of that earthiness from the myrcene and, and some of the humulene. Oh, delightful taste, though. Hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. And that 80% THC, <laughs> smack you in the face. Oh. Pushing it <coughs> on the edge. <coughs> I can feel that I was just about to do that. Which, of course, is pretty... <coughs> Pretty common when doing concentrates. <coughs> Maybe push it a little too hard. Now, am I of the opinion that there's still a bit in there? I think there is. I'm going to heat that up again. And pick up the last of what's in here. There we go. The last of my goodies today. use the phrase hit smack in the face very often but I'm about to wow and if there was ever a question about why people do concentrates that's it that's the answer to the question <sighs> big heavy hit with just a couple of tokes <laughs> Just smack in the face. Don't have any happy eyes, but boy, do I ever feel high at this point. 
a little harder on the lungs. I take a bit more ease and caution with that. And whether or not the price of the concentrates is something that you're prepared to pay, especially at this rate, that's entirely up to you. Probably not going to do a lot of them at that rate, but I am not disappointed. I'm glad I gave it a try. And in fact, this was one of the times where I kind of did cultivar corner in a reverse fashion, as you're about to hear. Here is a different cultivar corner. I'm recording the end of the cultivar corner before I've done the beginning part. <laughs> that may seem strange, but, but here's my rationale. It's my birthday, physically today. And I treated myself by picking up some Brindle Farms apple. <laughs> I've already sampled. <laughs> Brindle Farms Animal Style Live Rosin. THC of 80.8%, which I've probably already said. And I decided to treat myself. I picked up a, a banger for my bong and a nice little cap that seems to do the job. I finally figured out how to fill my torch. <laughs> Caused me a lot of grief, but I finally figured it out. And at the suggestion of Sean, the Rubicon rep, who has a long, long history with concentrates and dabbing and such. I did a cold start with the Animal Style Live Rosin. And holy crap. I, <laughs> I am just blitzed. I now get it. I, I, I haven't done a lot of dabbing, and I don't, I don't know why. I can't explain. I guess it was the friends I had. Didn't do a lot of dabbing. It was mostly weed that we smoked, you know, occasionally you'd throw in some hash for a bit of high potency, but did not do a lot of dabbing. I'm starting to see why, <laughs> why there is such a fascination for it. And that's why, again, I'm recording this cultivar corner in reverse order. I had intended to do the introduction with the description of what we're talking about here, but I threw it into the banger and heated it up <laughs> and smoked and I was too late to do that part. But I had to capture this because it, yeah, I'm pretty high. And while I'm sorry that I, again, didn't provide a whole lot of those flavor notes in terms of the inhale and the exhale, <laughs> my palate is just not capable of that. And quite frankly, I was more concentrating on just getting that smoke into my lungs. I have to say, it's been successful. Old Growth Collective... Brindle Farms Animal Style Live Rosin at 80.8% THC. I am just baked. Sharing stories about good weed while trying good weed. This is the Cannabis Podcast. Now, I was sent a link from someone that, uh, in regards to Health Canada and grow licenses across the Canada, uh, across Canada, not the Canada, those with the ACMPR licenses, and Health Canada is a little concerned at the size of some of those prescriptions. And let me read a couple of the paragraphs out of this just to give you a sense of what that is. So your medical authorization for patient XX authorizes a daily dose of 95 grams of dried cannabis per day for a period of 12 months. As a bit of an aside, that seems like a lot of cannabis for one day. 
Based on the available data, this authorization significantly exceeds the average quantity of dried cannabis for medical purposes authorized per client in Canada and could be as high as 32 to 95 times the average amount, assuming an average dosage of 1 to 3 grams per day. As you may know, the daily authorized quantity in the medical document is used to calculate the number of plants that can be produced by or for an individual who applies for registration with Health Canada. Using the formula set out in the cannabis regulations, the authorized amount of dried cannabis per day would entitle your patient to produce 463 plants. We are requesting additional information from you to support this authorization. We ask that you please provide further information including data, references or resources in your possession to support the authorized daily dosage of 12 grams per day. Available data suggests that most individuals who use cannabis for medical purposes use an average amount of between 1 to 3 grams of dried cannabis per day. The College of Family Physicians of Canada has also indicated that it expects that the upper level to the safe use of dried cannabis for chronic pain or anxiety will be on the order of 3 grams per day, and that even this level of use should be considered only in very circumscribed conditions. Very interesting perspective. Thanks for sharing the details. As Health Canada re-examines the amount people are allowed to grow for medical cannabis. And speaking of some alternate uses for medical cannabis, we're going to 420intel.com for the next story with the headline of Weed Nuns Put Faith in Cannabis. For a group of women living in a commune in a remote area of California near Yosemite, marijuana is a religion. The self-proclaimed Sisters of the Valley also nicknamed the Weed Nuns, are a group of feminist healers who grow, harvest, and produce their own line of cannabis products. They don't represent an official religion, but wear traditional habits inspired by ancient beguines and promote the healing properties of marijuana for body and soul. Sister Kate Misuin started the Enclave eight years ago after becoming active in the Occupy movement. She said she wanted to empower women interested in healing and bought the remote home and farm in Merced County to launch a New Age order of nuns. In addition to locally sold marijuana products, the sisters also ship cannabidiol CBD products, touted for its healing properties worldwide through their website. Their top seller is a tropical salve that soothes achy joints. There are currently six nuns living and working there, whose numbers fluctuate throughout the growing season, with women coming in to stay at the property from places as far away as New Zealand. They have also expanded worldwide with new chapters operating in Mexico, Brazil, and Sweden. And now let's look at another quick little story, also from 420intel.com, on some new technology to allow roadside simulation for research on cannabis use and driving. There, of course, has been lots of discussion about cannabis use and driving, and there are problems with cannabis use and driving. Totally recognize that. But as of this point, we don't have an accurate way of really recognizing or measuring that. Well, this is a story uh, from a doctor named Denise Valenti. She's the owner of Impairment Measurement Marijuana and Driving. She attended a lecture recently by Dr. Ng from Southern California College of Optometry, which was a comprehensive lecture on basic information in cannabis. She's excited to present a lecture on driving in cannabis, and they have now been awarded a contract or a grant from the federal government in the U.S., the National Institutes on Justice, to measure a developing technology that looks at the retinal function to determine if you're too high to drive. 
Part of this project will be in developing a standardized closed-road real car test system to detect impairment functions specific to driving. Now, part of this is they're going to be working with a robotic technology that's very novel. They're going to be adapting the National Football League's MVP practice dummy, turning it into a multidimensional robotic to use roadside as a simulation of the pedestrian. They're excited to have the opportunity to advance the research, and they're happy the Academy recognizes how important it is for clinicians to know about cannabis and marijuana use and its impact on their patients. And that story from 420intel.com. So perhaps in the semi-near future, there may be an accurate way to detect true cannabis impairment at the roadside. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And I think it's kind of appropriate that I use the cannabis-infused stinger because this story is actually about not being (laughs) cannabis-infused. And in fact, this memory isn't that deep. This just happened a couple weeks ago. I'd already told you that my son Ian and his wife Christine are expecting a new baby in June of 2023. And it was the way that news was delivered which has some significance to the subject of cannabis. They came over, I think it was a couple Sundays ago. Uh, They often do. That's often the day that they'll come over for a visit and sit on the couch for a bit and have a chat, perhaps play some games, and then off they'll go. Really enjoy the visits. And this was another one. We hadn't had one for uh, a few weeks, I guess. They came in, sat down, and as usual, Gary had two joints sitting down on the table, ready to consume. Lighter right beside that, along with a lighter, or along with an ashtray. And conversation was carrying on, and probably about five, ten minutes into the conversation, I reached down to pick up one of those joints, which I am, of course, want to do. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. And as I did that, as soon as I had the joint in my hand, my son Ian leapt from the couch. (laughs) It seemed like he leapt from the couch. Perhaps it wasn't quite as dramatic as that. He went over to the bag that they brought with him, and he retrieved two packages out of that bag, handed one to myself and one to my wife. As we unfurled the package, they each contained a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, there was a picture. Now, this will, again, recognize the fact that I'm, I'm an old dude. On the picture was an old album cover from a Simon and Garfunkel album, I think from The Sound of Silence. Uh, but, of course, the, the text had been changed. Both Ian and Christine are exceptional at Photoshop, and they had replaced our images. Uh, I was now Art Garfunkel, and my wife was Paul Simon, <laughs> on this album cover, and the title of it was Granny Jenny and Grandpa G, <laughs> which kind of told me right away that they were expecting a child. Now, when my wife first saw the picture, she wasn't too sure exactly what it meant. Once we told her, she, like I, was extremely excited. And that's when Ian said, and that's why I know it's a difficult question to ask you not to smoke in your own house, but we would really appreciate it if you didn't smoke any joints around Christine during the pregnancy. I totally get it, totally support it, proud that They both had the courage to just step on it and raise it right up at the beginning. No issue, of course. You want to make sure that the baby is healthy and no smoke should be around it while it's being gestated. (laughs) We are ecstatic, 
both in the fact that we have another grandchild on the way and that Ian and Christine are expecting, and that he had the courage to tell his old man not to smoke a joint in his own house because the health of their future baby was more important. And I think that's a good story that represents the other side of cannabis, that sometimes we do have to put it away and and not consume it uh, in front of others when it is inappropriate. And of course, we've been doing that for years. (laughs) So there you go. There's another personal story on how cannabis and its use impacts me and, and those around me. Once again, my thanks to you for being here and listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. If you ever have a comment on anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast. You can also do the same thing at CannabisPodcast.com. Right beside the episode, there's a little coffee button, and you can click on that to buy me a doobie. That's it for episode 113 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.